0: Hello and welcome to the second of the 2017 Richard Herring Edinburgh Fringe Podcast. Uh, This week's guest is James Acaster. How exciting. His new book is amazing, by the way, and you must buy it. Go to Amazon and you can get it. There's my daughter shouting out trying to get on the podcast. Um, I'm doing at least one more Edinburgh Fringe Podcast next week on the 18th of August at 1.50pm. And one of my guests will be Ian Sterling from... The Love Island commentary. He's a very popular man. He's sold out all of his shows uh, and he's a very nice man as well and I might have another guest as well and I'm looking into maybe doing one more podcast uh, at the final week because I'm not exhausted enough already. Um, if you like these podcasts why not go to gofastestripe.com. You can buy DVDs and books. You can buy the emergency question book at gofastestripe.com EQ if people are having lots of fun with those um, and you can come and see my shows go to com slash gigs and you can see details for both Tang's Edinburgh Fringe Podcast one remaining show, maybe two and also for Over Gun 50 which is at the Pleasance one at 7.30pm every night there are still tickets for every performance but if you're coming at the weekends I would advise you to book ahead uh, it's getting quite good reviews and people seem to like it And as I discuss in this podcast, I screwed it up last night, but not that anyone would really notice apart from me. Anyway, sit back and enjoy this very enjoyable podcast with the very, very funny James Acaster, who has got some extra shows on if you're around in Edinburgh on the 11th, 12th and 13th of August. Check him out. Check out his book. Honestly, you will not regret it. It is the funniest thing I've ever read.
1: Ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Newtown Theatre Grand Hall. Please ensure all mobile devices are switched off and note that no photography, filming or recording of any kind is permitted. In the unlikely event of a fire, please make your way calmly to the fire exits, which are clearly marked at either side of the auditorium, following the instructions of the Newtown Theatre staff. Thank you for listening. Please enjoy the show. Worst warm up man ever.
0: Ladies and gentlemen! Welcome to the New Town Theatre. Please welcome the Radio Times comedy champion in waiting. It's Richard Herring. Thank you very much. Hello, hello, hello. How are you doing? Thank you for coming. It's lovely to see you. it's all full. It's very exciting here in this Masonic Hall. Uh, welcome to. Uh, Richard Herring's Edinburgh Fringe podcast. Um, I was hanging out at uh, the Big Jam Sandwich show uh, the other day and uh, a lot of cool kids hang out down there. They call it Rehef, so I don't know if that's, people nudging each other ready, were you getting ready to shout? Get ready, that's who's going, get ready, it's coming up. just in case you're not familiar uh with well yeah it's uh we it's been quite an exciting week. the, the fringe is well underway uh, it's been going okay for me uh which is all i care about and um <laughs> uh we'll talk a little bit about that later but yeah but there's weirdly I got, I got i've been involved in that like some i mean it's basically just a clickbait thing that the radio times website runs where they're trying to find the comedy champion of the united kingdom uh, i don't even know how my name was in there in the first place but what the Radio Times didn't realize is how obsessive the four people who like me are. <laughs> and, and how good they are at setting up computers that can vote several times. And so uh, I've managed to get to the final, uh, which I don't, uh, the semi-final was me versus Ricky Gervais. There's some, you know, there's some history there, certainly between me and Ricky Gervais's fans. And um, uh, he was kind of tweeting about it quite a lot, but then I got to about 85, 20, 15 ahead, and uh, he stopped tweeting about it. <laughs> At least Jason Manford is putting up a fight. So we'll see how that goes. Do go and visit the website if you are here today. Uh, and uh, it closes at 10 o'clock tonight. We'll find out. And, uh, you know, it will be just... I think my, the people who like me will probably try to vote against me at the last minute because they know how fun it will be if I just am um, the runner-up again. It's just, if I just If I beat Ricky Gervais and, uh, and miss out at the last minute. But Jason Manford is a lovely, uh, lovely man, despite the things you may have heard about him. <laughs> so, um... He just got caught, that's the only difference, so uh, that's the only difference. <laughs> just be more careful, that's what I'm saying. So uh, yeah, and uh, there's, uh, well I had a bit of a scare at the weekend, I, I took my daughter out, my da- I'm here with my family which makes the Fringe a lot more fun, uh, which is why I saw a show about a big jam sandwich, a bit childish for my liking, I have to say it's just not realistic at all. Uh, and... Um, uh, we went to the playground near our house, and uh, she went. She went round on this little roundabout, which I, I later went on with her, which was like. Um it's like a quite a clever one, it's like a little bicycle a little, and, you, and, you, and you do it and then it goes round if you do it with a couple of kids. But I went on it because I'm quite small, I could get on it and that's the advantage of having a short dad. Uh, I found it absolutely terrifying, I have to say. so. But then she got off that and she ran to another, uh, the climbing frame and as she was running at full pelt, tripped over and smashed her head into like a little steering wheel hanging off the, uh, which was very terrifying. So we've been to the excellent uh, Edinburgh Sick Children's Hospital. You know, I mean, do they need to put sick in there really? Uh, it's a good job I didn't take her to the Edinburgh Well Children's Hospital. And they go, oh, "Sorry, mate, we don't know what we we only deal with children who are okay here. That's our that's our expertise." Uh, luckily, she's fine. I got a nice uh, bruise on her head, but it was it's a terrifying thing being a parent. But that's so uh, that's been my uh, main thing of this week uh, and last night I did my show I've been doing my show I've done it nine times now it's going uh, pretty well and um, please come along it's called O Frig i 50 the people here have got a program for it so it's at 7 30 at the Pleasance One there are still some tickets available uh, but um, last night I was quite tired but I kind of forgot about four big chunks of the show and only realized when I got towards the end and realized oh there's a massive callback at the last line of the show to something that I haven't said. So uh <laughs> I don't know if that's just because I'm tired or just because I've got a bit complacent because it's show 9 or just because I'm 50 and my brain and that's that could be it now just you know <laughs> Might, I just shut down. Uh and the good shows I've seen the uh, big jam sandwiches all right Monsky Mouse. If you've got kids, take them to Monsky Mouse uh, Disco. That's uh, a lot of fun. I uh, saw so Ahisha yesterday, who I can't. I would have on this podcast, but he's on at the same time as this podcast. Uh, a great comic doing uh, stuff about Brexit uh, and being an Indian origin person in the UK at the moment, which... Uh, Not great, Uh, apparently. So, uh, look, we're going to crack straight on. We've got an amazing guest uh, for this week's show. Uh, Do uh, do come again next week. We've got uh, Ian Sterling, who is the voice of Love Island, a show I haven't watched, but I understand is some kind of pornography that he then talks over. So that sounds good. Sort of ruining the pornography. He should go on Pornhub.com and start doing that as well. Just doing sarcastic comments. We'll talk to him about that next week. Uh, and there may be another guest next week, and I'm maybe, because it's been going pretty well, I might try and see if we can do one in the final week as well. Because, you know, I'm not tired enough as it is. Uh, so, my guest this week, he's probably best known uh, for his appearance on the 50 Funniest Moments of 2014. And that's all we're going to be talking about, those 50 moments. is James Acaster, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Here he comes. Welcome, sir. Thank you very much. Sit down. There's some water. You might want to take your mic off the stand. It's up to you. It's all, it's all, yeah. it's all your choice. Thank you. You can leave it there if you want and just have it hovering in front of your face. Take it off. Yeah, I think that's the best. Then you've got to unwrap it a bit. That's why. They've really gone to town. They have really gone to town. I forgot to check it this week. but um, what, do, what were the 50 funniest moments of 2014?
1: So many. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I Can't even remember now. I can't remember what happened can't remember in 2014. One thing. I think that they were showing it but it was all stuff that was already funny on TV and YouTube clips and stuff. Right. So it's a kind of thing where you get bought in as a comic to be funny about something that is already funny. Yeah. Which uh, is pointless. Yeah. May as well just show the clips and everyone can go, yeah, they're really funny. But yeah. instead it in- interrupted by people like me going, here's why it's funny, by the way. <laughs> as a comedy. Really? It's
0: still two hundred and fifty quid, I bet.
1: Yeah? Oh, yeah. sweet Spondulix. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm not spitting in the face <laughs> of it.
0: I, I bet it must have got harder to do those as the years passed, like the funniest moments of 2016. There probably
1: aren't 50 funny moments. Well, two, that, but, that, but that's where the actual skills as a comic comes <laughs> that in. <is. laughs> that's where they should get us in, the 50 funniest moments of 2016. Really, really, yeah. uh,
0: and 2017, I mean, the, the second half of the year is just going to be a, a nuclear apocalypse, holocaust. Yeah. Wasteland, so. That
1: show, uh, actually, the funniest moments of 2017 will be the only thing you can watch on TV. you will just be that on every channel on a loop.
0: Well, you're up in Edinburgh. You're on. I'm not saying my booking policy is lax, but you are in the theatre after my show yeah. at the Pleasance. <laughs> Yeah. And thus, the only comedian I've met during yeah. this fringe, because I have a daughter up here, yeah. so it was quite an easy booking to make. <laughs> uh, and, uh, you're doing three shows, though. Are you
1: insane? You're doing your whole trilogy of uh, stand-up shows. Yeah, I'm doing three uh, different shows, and actually, I'm doing um, some uh, some extra shows, which are a fourth a fourth show oh, right. as well. So yeah, I'm doing four shows at, at the festival. Yeah,
0: how are you finding that? Is that because I I find it difficult remembering my own show
1: once yeah. this year. I, I, well, I've been touring it since January, so people always ask you at the start, like, how, you, how do you remember them all? And yep. you remember it by touring it and, me- and getting it wrong <laughs> repeatedly, but then uh, that's what cements it in your head eventually. Yeah. And eventually it becomes one kind of thing. Yeah, do you find... Well, I sort of find that it doesn't usually happen this early. If I'm on
0: tour for a long time, mm. I'll get so familiar with the show, even if I'm messing around it and changing it, there will just come a day, 40 or 50 days in, where I just com- my mind goes blank, and yep. you can't even remember... It what comes next or what comes after next and you just I kind of have a day when I don't bother yeah. so that's
1: bad yeah. so like you know you're going around <laughs> doing the tour and trying everywhere you go and then you have a day when you're like oh, unless they're a really great audience I cannot be fucked <laughs> and, then, and then you get out there and they're not a great audience and so you go well, do you know what I'm just going to Mess around and talk to them and not do this and miss out chunks of the show deliberately. (laughs) And I do actually consciously think that, but you're doing it to amuse yourself. And I think in the moment you think, this is how I'm going to be funny tonight. This is their best chance of me being funny me messing around but it means they don't get the show right. which you know if they speak to anyone else who's been at any other shows they might get a bit pissed off <laughs> at how much i missed out
0: and do you do all three shows at every town you go to yeah so yeah. i do three
1: nights in every town wow. and do um one two three and on the last night we do the extra one as well so right. yeah do oh, yeah, four. Of, yeah yeah that came in during the tour yeah. so it was like it wasn't originally the plan to do four and but i stupidly booked myself uh you know just doing two halves everywhere every night, so in the first half I didn't know what to do, because I was already doing the show in the second half, so I'd do even older material (laughs) and I I enjoyed relearning all that and then I figured out that actually, I could make the three shows I was touring, one story, Uh, and I figured out how to make the one story, but there was a gap in the narrative so I took the other old material (laughs) made that, plug the gap, and now it's one story, and I've ruined my life (laughs) Do the same people come to all of the shows, though? It's quite a good way... A quarter way of, of s- them. Yeah. A quarter well, of them come to all the shows. Yeah, and, it's a good way of selling uh, a lot of tickets, isn't it? It's yeah, clever. yeah, a good way of tricking. But also, you'd think that the people who come to every show are the really nice fans and respectful, and they're not. <laughs> and they're the ones who really like to heckle and ruin it and make themselves <laughs> like a part of it. So, yeah, they get, they get really smashed on the first night, and they heckle and go, oh, I hope they don't come again, and then you go out the second night, and they're sitting on the front light. Looking at you like, yeah, I'm gonna do it again. <laughs> well, I'm not impressed, mate. I did twelve shows in six weeks, so
0: screw yeah. you. I'm the best. Uh, I'm... So, um, and uh, yeah, look, I've been. Um, well, actually, you, when I met you at the Wells Comedy Festival backstage, you were very. You told a very funny story about going to Peterborough. Do you remember that story? That the audience, there was an audience. in
1: Peterborough? Oh yeah, I mean Peterborough was. Uh, if there's a, I mean, Peterborough was the worst one of the tour by a country mile, I'd say. <laughs> and uh, they didn't like it. They didn't like any of them, any of the shows I bought them. <laughs> um, and it was it was also, it was a third full every night, which is right. very annoying when you're there for three nights and you <laughs> figured out you could have sold it out for one night. <laughs> and it would have been great. Um, but there's a bit in one of my shows where... Uh, I tell a, a fable which is made up which is you know, uh, about the, the goose and the sloth <laughs> and uh, I always lead into it by saying about someone who's so judgmental it's like he's never heard the fable of the goose and the sloth and then I'll always leave a pause and the audience kind of like you know, confused, uh, that's the point and then I'll go into the bit i either go into the bit cold or someone, one, one in five times someone will shout out well, what's that? I don't know what those? That <laughs> and that's quite a good way in. Because then when they go, I don't know what it is, you, you, you kind of go, I can't believe you don't know what it is. Are you kidding me, mate? Everyone in this room knows the goose and the sloth and you don't know it. Well, I'll tell it just for you then. And then you do the whole thing. But in Peterborough, <laughs> I got to that bit and the guy shouted out, so it's like the <laughs> fable of the goose and the sloth. And there's a pause and he went, What the fuck are you on about? <laughs> And, uh, and I, I was like, oh, good, I'll get to do that bit. <laughs> so, like, I I, I went, what, what, so you don't know the fable of the goose and the sloth? And, and he went, look, mate, you're talking about these things like we're meant to know what you're talking about, but none of us know what you're talking about. <laughs> I had never heard that fable. Uh, I said... <laughs> I said, everyone's heard that fable, sir. How arrogant <laughs> to shout out in a room full of people who have all heard it. You're the, just because you haven't heard it doesn't mean you have to stop the show for everyone else. And then a lady in front of him turned around and went, love, I haven't heard of it either. <laughs> and I was like, you haven't heard of it either? What are they teaching, Peterborough? This is ridiculous. And no one's heard of this fable. You're, and then a lady at the front went, right, who ain't heard of it? <laughs> and about 20 of them put their hands up. <laughs> Look at me like, we haven't heard of it. And I told the fable, which deliberately doesn't make sense as well. <laughs> the whole thing doesn't make sense. It's about Goose galloping around on all fours and stuff. <laughs> and this lady in the front kept turning to her mates going, I st- have you heard of this? <laughs> I've never heard this fable before.
0: The good thing about touring usually is you go to a place like Peterborough, you arrive at five o'clock and you leave at ten o'clock. You don't yeah. have to spend any time in Peterborough. You have to spend three days in every town. I have to be
1: there for three days and I don't dare leave my hotel room because <laughs> they might be out there. So yeah.
0: <laughs> Did you, Have you seen any nice places that you didn't know much about when you've been on tour and have looked around?
1: This is where my mum would be very disappointed with me because yeah. she always says, are you going out, are you seeing stuff? Yeah. And, like, I think if I go abroad, I do. Yeah. Like, I really, you know, I had, I had one gig in Paris this year and I spent the whole day having a, you know, brilliant day yeah. was a, and just going out and uh, proper, you know, doing Paris. And then in the evening, died on my ass and went home.
0: <laughs> um,
1: and, like, that's good. But, like, yeah, when I'm around England, I don't do it as much. I think maybe, like, places like Newcastle Yeah. that I... Just I haven't really, I've never been to on tour for some reason, right. and so you know it's like when you when you do yeah. you tweet your tour dates, and there's always like one place where you're not going, and that's the only thing you hear about on Twitter is <laughs> yeah. everyone going, oh, got something against Newcastle, have you? Oh, someone hates Newcastle, fuck you, mate. And then uh, and then you go to Newcastle, and no one tweets, thank you for coming to Newcastle. <laughs> you just get a lot of other people going, oh, what's wrong with Birmingham? And you're like, oh, it's been Birmingham last year, and you didn't say anything. Um, so yeah, I went to Newcastle for the first time on tour, and that yeah. was. Uh, that, that that is a place where i think yeah but southern snobs like me, you really underestimate it. Then you go there and go, oh, it's amazing! It it's is really amazing. Good.
0: I love. Well, I love coming through Newcastle. On the, I, I always do a gig in Newcastle on the way up to Edinburgh. But I love driving past the Angel of the North. That's always part of my yep. thing, and it's beautiful. I really love the Angel of the North and all that quayside, the Baltic uh, Arts Gallery. Yeah. And I took my daughter there this year, and we just went up and down in the lifts. It was great. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't really like the art, but it's I've never different. enjoyed being in an art gallery more. She just yeah. wanted to go up to the top. She would come out, and have a look around, then she'd go, go, let's go down. We would go down. she'd go back like up that again. again.
1: Would it be yeah. great? Like, that kind of... <laughs> that world as a kid, it's, yeah. if only I could reclaim that and enjoy it. That's what we're trying to do. Do the convenient. lifts, the escalators. Yeah. They're skipping, all...
0: I think, is quite... You know, that's what... She's skipping to, as she moves around now. Yeah. I really miss skipping. I think, yeah. you know, so it's
1: just a great way to move around. Yeah. Michael McIntyre will tell <laughs> you yeah, that. he does. <laughs> yeah, he's yeah. managed to do it. He knows.
0: <laughs> <laughs> he's got, he's <laughs> got the right idea. So I've been sent a copy of your book that's coming out very soon. Uh, yes. which is called uh, James Acaster's Classic Scrapes. Yes, please. Uh, and it is, I, I think it's in the top two funniest books I've ever read. Thank and, you so much. Uh, the other one in the top two is uh, <laughs> Emergency Questions by Richard Herring. <laughs> so, you know, we possibly have the authors of the two funniest books in the world here. I mean, it's probably, you know, once that's been established down the line, yeah. people will listen to this going, I can't believe the two most yeah. witty authors
1: of comedy. So if you don't find anything we really say so funny, imagine it written down. <laughs> This is,
0: uh, genuinely, I don't think I've ever laughed at a a book uh, on purpose more than... (laughs) That's meant to be funny. Yeah, uh, yeah. I've just like within about the first 20 pages, I'd cried laughing twice. Oh, thank you. Uh, and I'm reading when I was just reading it in Pret a Manger, and there was loads of people around, and just it was just really it's that embarrassing thing where you're just <laughs> sitting on your eating a sandwich, going. ah! <laughs> 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 I was in the, I was in Brooks Bar, which is a performers bar, and was, it was in the middle of the day, and I was reading, waiting to be interviewed by someone, and three quite earnest. Drama students were being interviewed by someone for a, some little paper, and they were just talking. And I was going, ah, ha, 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 <laughs> and I just felt sure they were thinking, oh, "Why is he laughing at everything?" Yeah. I was putting them off, so I had to move because I felt I was. Uh, it's very good. It's it's uh, well, it's, it, and you claim it's all true. It is all true. And I do believe it's all true. Yeah. but You've got into a, in your life. It's a very good way of doing an autobiography, of, especially if you. Uh, a bumbling
1: buffoon. Yeah, it was an um, accidental of yeah. it, it was meant to be just... Because st- I, I did... Where, where it comes from is I did stories on Josh Widdicombe's radio show. He had a radio show a few years ago. He doesn't anymore. He's uh, it's not, it's not that in demand. But, like... Um, but they, and I just do a segment every week where yeah. I do a true story. And uh, it was just, yeah, it was the publisher's idea to put them in a book. And you just put them in chronological order. You realise you've done so many that it's an autobiography (laughs) without... You didn't mean to.
0: Well, it's very nice the way they sort of back-refer to each other and all that. So it's it's often, I think, like a comedian will put together, like, just a book that's some funny articles they've written. Yeah. Uh, And, uh, you know I'm talking about. (laughs) And... there's no connection to it, but this, like, it's a, it works as a prop book on its own. Uh, there's lots of things that I, uh, I would like to talk to you more about from the book. Yep. I liked your... The first thing that really made me laugh was your anger at the uh, the names of the cubs and the scouts yeah. and the beavers.
1: Yeah, well, I, I, think, I, if, I don't know if anyone's been in the, the scouts, but uh, it's beavers, cubs and scouts. And I think maybe I'll get angry about in that is that <laughs> I don't really know... There's no theme... <laughs> whatsoever they don't in, in the wild a beaver does not become a cub. <laughs> a cub they're all different species and i think i make the argument there that uh beavers well <laughs> well the cub well, so cubs are younger than beavers essentially in the wild cuz yeah. they're little babies yeah, it's true. but uh and that <laughs> you call unless they're baby beavers but then they should be called uh kittens that's right uh, but then everyone would think about cat babies <laughs> so i, I I, and then I, I think I proposed calling them beaver kittens, which I thought was more disturbing.
0: Yeah, beaver kittens is more disturbing. And then I think you talk about some them calling them cubs, tigers, and bigger tigers. That's, yeah, that's, yeah. that's, that's, that's
1: the older tigers. <laughs> older tigers. Yeah.
0: Uh. <laughs> oh, it made me laugh. Uh, and you, like you, uh, you've also
1: been on a sky. have been on a skydive, and you've been on a skydive. Yeah. The Skydive stories. Pretty. It was. Fun. It was one of the worst days of my life. I, I, I really wanted to do, I, I was having like a, um, I'd crashed my car, and could have died, and so like, got really like, oh, I need to do things in my life, I was 18, Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I was like, oh, I'm going to be dead one day, and I need to do stuff, and I did a skydive, and um, the first time I went, it got cancelled, because the, uh, there was too cloudy, which I, didn't, I still don't understand to this day. But like, it's like too cloudy, we can't skydive. And then it was cancelled again and then again. And then the fourth time, I just thought, well, it's not gonna happen. Like, so I was so relaxed and didn't care. And we went up in the plane like we always do. I was like, not gonna happen, it's okay. And then what happened then was that I ended up jumping out of a plane without being prepared mentally, physically, or emotionally to jump out of a plane. <laughs> Which, feel, which means it feels like you've literally been pushed out of a plane like in Mission Impossible or something, yeah. like, a, like a bad guy. And so the adrenaline really... And the freefall bit was great, but the guy who I was attached to, he was really quiet in the plane, but then, like, it's like he lived for skydiving, and he loved it. So as soon as we jumped out, he transformed into this, like... It looked like it was a bird. So that as soon as we got out, he just started going, whoa in my ear. Like, I was like, have they attached me to someone else who's doing this for the first time? Because this is... <laughs> And somewhere else, there's two skydiving instructors attached to each other who are like, "This guy's not loving it as much as I thought he would." He's really going nuts. And then he, um, he pulled the cord, at which point you kind of go from horizontal to vertical really quickly, and my stomach went haywire. And he was, he started going, "Check this out, James!" And like, he was zigzagging around, and my stomach was like trailing a few oh, feet yeah. behind us. And eventually, I had to, be, oh, sorry, mate, can you? Do you stop doing that? I feel a little bit. I feel a little bit queasy. <laughs> and I think queasy is like the word that skydivers hate. Them like hated. As soon as I said queasy, he was like, ah. and he was he was there as well. Like yeah. his face was there. So I just felt him in my ear going. Oh, okay. <laughs> and then he kind of stopped zigging and zagging, and we just we were, But we were still thousands of feet. We yeah. were nowhere near the ground. And we're now just really slowly, so slowly. <laughs> Making our way down, but just him in a mood of me and hating me, <laughs> and me there just like hanging off the front of him like that, just <laughs> feeling a little bit queasy and a bit upset, and and then I I, I realised that. So here's 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 a, here's a big tip for you if you're going to do a skydive. This is a really good tip. Don't wear slip-ons. <laughs> it's very very handy. <laughs> so I, I, At the time, I only owned slip-ons, so I didn't even think about uh, what I was doing when I went skydiving. And I realised, as we were drifting down, one of my slip-ons had started to slip off, which is the opposite of what I bought it for. And um, it's, like, half off my foot. And so I, I kind of... I didn't want to mention it to him, because I was like, he's already... I don't want to go to him. I'm having some trouble with my slip-ons. And <laughs> just, he just unclip me and watched me fall to my... Well-deserved death. (laughs) So I kind of hooked... I hooked my toes. So they were kind of... I hooked my toes towards my shins so that I was, like, just hooking my slip-on on on my foot with one... But it's a lot to focus on when you're, like, still a long way... And also, I I still wanted to be sick, and I was thinking, like, if I'm sick now, like, I won't be able to maintain, you know, (laughs) keeping the slip-on on my foot while I'm sick. So it'll all fall out, and then it'll look like I'm... I eat slip-ons <laughs> and then complain when it doesn't agree with me when I do a skydive. <laughs> so I had a lot in my head that I was worrying about. And then um, I was way too faint. And when we were coming into to land, he was like, right, listen, James, you're not going to be able to do the landing that we practiced. You're supposed to do a, pr- a landing where you both pull on these strings together and you both lift your legs up at the same time and you land at the same time. It's like, like a jump. And he said, we can't do that because you're too poorly. Which, poorly is such a, you feel like such a child. Say <laughs> <laughs> so you're ill or you're sick. You're a bit poorly, so we can't do this. And so said, so we're going to have to do an emergency landing, which is basically, I don't do anything. So you don't worry about it, we're going to do an emergency. And then he starts shouting down at the people on the floor as we're coming in. He starts shouting, we got a sleeper! <laughs> We've got a sleeper here, everyone. We've got a sleeper. You're going, oh, I would have preferred it if that was between us, that I'm a sleeper. <laughs> Don't want everyone to know I'm a sleeper. But, um, and then we had to skid in. Like, everyone else was doing these landers, look great, and then the sleeper and his angry friend <laughs> just came just skidding in on our butts. Just really, just literally just like that. Like, we're in some kind of <laughs> carry-on film. But, like, and then, yeah, it was just, we were lying there, and I was, like, lifeless on top of him. So he couldn't get up for ages, because I was just like... So he was underneath, me, and then someone rushed over and took our photograph, <laughs> which my mum bought for a fiver. So I all got it in the house, and the photo is, is so it's me, just, just like this. And he's underneath me, looking over at his friends, going.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, I found it very, it was very, I enjoyed this, I wouldn't want to do it again, but when I did a skydive, yeah. I kind of
1: enjoyed it. I love the free-fall bit. Yeah. That was I liked, amazing. I
0: like the stop... I didn't like the free-fall bit. I like the what? stopping bit. Oh, no. I like the bit when you suddenly you're flying, and the, my guy was quite quiet behind me. You had a, you had a professional yeah. guy who was yeah. so <laughs> nice and reserved. It was reserved. very peaceful coming down, and then suddenly the ground comes at you very quickly.
1: Yeah, well, yeah. yeah. I, I didn't see the ground. I had no. my eyes shut, and I was, <laughs> I was, I was asleep.
0: I, was, I managed to stay away. We still bumped along, I think. You know, I, was, right. I think... They said you had to be a cert- under a certain weight to do it, and I okay. lied that I was under that weight. I was a little bit over that okay, weight. It's just
1: jumping out of a plane. What, <laughs> what's the worst that could happen? I would li- lie about my weight. <laughs> <laughs> we got through it. It did. It's,
0: it's good, good.
1: Wasn't the guy who was, maybe, was you, you were attached to? Wasn't he like, hold on a second there?
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm not sure he's been completely honest. I don't want to, what I want to jump out the plane with him.
0: <laughs> I did feel, it made me feel sick as well. I'm glad he didn't, mine didn't make me yeah. go from side to side.
1: He said he he just told me you probably didn't eat enough breakfast. I was like, well, tell us that in an email or something. You know, <laughs> say, make sure you eat loads of breakfast, otherwise, this will be an awful experience for you and <laughs> you won't enjoy a second of it.
0: But you've been in lots of car crashes. We talked about one the last one we did the less squared thing, yeah. but I didn't know you'd had two more before that. So yes. you one when you were 18.
1: Well, 18, one when I was 22, and one when I was 25? Okay. Yeah. And uh, don't drive no more. Do not drive. No. I just, not because I'm scared of it, but just because I think after the third one, I was like, I'd probably best knock this off the (laughs) head because (laughs) I was very lucky because they were all very dramatic, but no one was hurting any of them. And I I just, after the third one, I just thought, "If, if if like, I mean, it's bad enough, obviously, if you're, if you have, if you are responsible for anyone getting hurt. But I even worse when like you've had these warning shots in the past, <laughs> chosen to ignore it, and then after a the reason when you go okay, I probably should have seen that one coming. So yeah, I've, I've just been uh, steered clear of it now. And how do
0: you get to get you get driven around by someone else? Or I've you got you a tour manager train? for yeah. tours,
1: and then I just get trains everywhere else for yeah. other stuff. Yeah, so it's it's actually more hard when I'm doing like a, yeah, you know, if I'm going to visit my family or whatever, then yeah. they've got to drive. Yeah, you know, I've got to go to kept in train station they got to come and pick me up in the car and all yeah. that and taxiing me around
0: but yeah. yeah I don't think I'd, I'd get a lift with you no uh, your insurance must be quite high as well if you wanted to drive wasn't it? I know it might have gone back to normal now because that's what happened like <laughs>
1: <that's> what happened <laughs> they
0: forget the, no, they're very forgetful the insurance well it people. kind of just kind of comes back up <laughs> and goes back to
1: normal and you kind of go oh, alright but like yeah this time it might be yeah, be quite bad. The
0: last one was pretty bad. That's, that's last exciting. one was pretty bad. It's pretty exciting. Really bad. Um, this is just something I ask everyone, and it might not be a case for you. Uh, have you ever met Brian Blessed?
1: <laughs> uh, I saw him do Panto. Oh, did you? Yeah, I saw him uh, as Captain Hook. Okay. Um, with uh, Kirsten O'Brien as Peter Pan. Okay. And, yeah, it was great. Obviously, yeah. you know, I, I was a kid, so at the time I thought he was amazing. But I reckon, as an adult, I might sit there going, you're making this difficult for all your ever." for your, co- <laughs> your co-performers, mate, because it's like, you it's know, it's whatever they do, like, he was going on stage when it wasn't his scene <laughs> and stuff like that. And like, in the background, I mean, I'm just just like creeping along the side of the stage like this, and everyone's laughing, and the people who are doing their scene, they're like, I don't know why anyone's laughing at this, but this is about, you know, clap your hands if you believe in fairies, It's meant to be an emotional, nice bit, and they're <laughs> really laughing about it, and it's because he's gone past wearing a stupid hat that you found in the props department. <laughs>
0: I love him. I love him. Yeah. Uh, his daughter's up in a, a play. Uh, the name which has escaped me for a second. It's something about cats. Oh, damn. I'll try and think about it later. <laughs> it's very good. Go and see it. Uh, look up Rosalind Blessed. Is it cats? It's, uh, no, it's, no it's, about, it's, about it's about dogs. It's about dogs. Oh, it's about damn dogs. It. I'm really sorry, Rosalind, that I've forgotten the name of. Uh, I should be able to get Brian Blessed on the show. I know his daughter. What's going on? Yeah. Um,
1: it's crazy. Um, He'll probably turn up in this one in a minute. He will. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine.
0: And uh, I loved. I know it was based on one of your stand-up shows slightly, but I loved your sitcom pilot that we, the jury. Oh, thanks, man. That was really good. And I was. I think all of the, all of those ones. I mean, even Goodnight Sweetheart was on that, and I still preferred it. <laughs> I still preferred it to the brief of Goodnight Sweetheart. Yeah, so. that was uh, uh, our main but it didn't, name.
1: Didn't get picked up. Didn't get picked up. Uh, real shame. But I. Uh, but such a good experience, and uh, one of those things where, like, I think there's been maybe some. Projects in the past where I haven't put my all into them, and they've either got made or got turned down. Yeah. And uh, they get turned down, and you feel really bad that your project got turned down, or it gets made, and you're like, ugh, I'm not... Or you're you're upset that it's not getting a good reception, and people aren't enjoying it. And then, uh, and I kind of did realise after the last one of those, that, oh, you're not... You're not putting as much effort into this as you are your stand-up. You put loads of effort into your stand-up shows, and then you don't care what people say about them because you're proud of them yeah. and you don't give a shit. But like you care about all this stuff because you kind of a bit of you knows it's not very good. And uh, with that pilot, I just yeah, it was like really fun to just put everything into it, yeah. and also have a team of people who were all on the same page as me, which is like very rare if you're doing like a project with that many people working on it. To have a director, producers, you know, actors, people at the channel all on the same page yeah. and yeah. so i was so delighted with like the end product it was exactly what i wanted it to be sure. so then when i got turned down i was surprised at how not upset i was like oh, i really? thought i was going to be like yeah I, I mean i really wanted to do it i loved doing the pilot so much that i wanted to do loads more episodes and work with all these people over and over again but when it got turned down i was like oh, i'll stand by it I, d- I didn't feel like i was like whatever criticisms they had yeah, they didn't hit me like they normally do when you go you yeah, know that's true actually and okay. I could have done a better job there and yeah. then it makes you feel like uh, a little bit yeah just like you're not very good but like for this it was like oh that's no, just a matter of taste I stand by everything that's in this yeah. pilot and, yeah. I mean
0: it's weird because I guess they were doing a lot of things all at the same time when there was quite it was a sitcom season sitcom was about, season yeah it was quite, there was some good I mean the Motherland thing was a great one yeah Motherland was great and yeah and, uh, really good and I thought the porridge one was not, out of all the reboot ones, wasn't bad. Yeah, porridge good fun. Well. I, had a
1: lady in a, I had a gig in Leeds where um, uh, there's a lady there who got quite angry early doors. <laughs> um, and then she remained angry for the whole show. And then I should have left it and not said anything. But at the end, I kind of like was like, "Yeah, oh, I hope you've all enjoyed it, man. I hope you've, you, know, Despite earlier, I hope you." She was like, I "Haven't enjoyed it." And I was like, oh, "Fair enough." And, and she was like, "It's just that, um, I like, I like clever comedy." <laughs> I said, oh, "Fair play." What's your favourite uh, comedy show? And she went porridge, and I was like, "Yes, I mean I love porridge, but." It's not a thinker is it <laughs> <It's not laughs> you go away going what were they trying to say with that episode of porridge <laughs> the subtext is what really keeps me coming back to porridge <laughs>
0: And did you not, I mean, I know you had a little tiny part in your sitcom, but yeah. the, the central character seemed to be very much you, and you yeah. did play him.
1: Yeah, well, I, I wanted to play a different part, and also I didn't feel like, I'm not, like, I'm not an actor, so like, I, I didn't feel like I could play that lead role, okay. um, even though it was kind of based on me and one of my shows. Yeah. It, was, uh, I, it needed to be more enthusiastic than I am <laughs> in my stand-up, and I, I knew I couldn't actually realistically carry off being someone who's really infused and uh, optimistic, so um, uh, Ed Easton, who's in Games Family Gift Shop, is one of yeah. my favourite sketch performers. Was my first choice, and like that was another thing as well as that like, I got all of my first choice. Like yeah. that cast is exactly who I wanted. Really and place? Ed, who hadn't you know done a sitcom before, uh, you know I kind of. Was really, really yeah, from the start being like, oh, this is who I want, and cool. like, yeah, yeah. Then the production company went for him, the channel went for him, and he did such a great job. But my character was going to become, if it went to series, yeah. it was going to be more of a regular character okay. that was in it a lot. It was, um, it's actually a character from one of my other shows, which is all about me being an undercover cop. Oh yes, yes. and uh, it was going to be that character for the whole thing right, of me, okay. me being Pat Springleaf. Oh,
0: maybe maybe they'll do it again. Later. It all exists up here. It does. I've got it It is. such a shame when uh, you know, it's, it, there, there must be you know. There's an alterna- I've got an alternate universe sitcom that might happen, might not happen. Yeah. You know, uh, but there's an alternate universe where both of our sitcoms are happening.
1: The Bo going head yeah. to head, and we Get hate each other. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: It's like you, me, and Manford all over again. <laughs> um, <laughs> So, uh, and you were on Conan, what was it like? You were on Conan O'Brien's yeah. show. Were you doing like just the stand up slot or were you interviewed on that?
1: I did the stand up slot, yeah, yeah, that was it. Yeah, I did the stand up slot. How was it? Uh, <laughs> um, well, if, it, if this was anyone else interviewing me, Richard, I would just say it's very good, it was great. Mm-hmm. Because it's you and I know what kind of stuff you like, I'll tell you the truth. <laughs> uh, so. <laughs> Uh, first of all, may I say that the people who make the Conan O'Brien show are some of the nicest people I've ever met in TV. Yeah. They run an extremely well-oiled machine, uh, very tight ship, very welcoming, everyone made me feel great, and also I was very happy with the end result that went out on television. Uh, now, I... um <laughs> So I, I'd been, I got to LA the day before and done a gig that I'd enjoyed very much. And maybe two, so I really enjoyed this gig the night before and kind of celebrated then right. when I had Conan the next day, <laughs> which films in the afternoon. Uh, so I drank a lot of whiskey. Uh, and then I went to a Mexican food truck and got a quesadilla, a chicken quesadilla. Went home, went to sleep, then woke up two hours later and uh, just filled my toilet with shit. <laughs> really shitting everywhere <laughs> and didn't get back to sleep again. And then I had to go and do Conan. And uh, I went there and, like, I wasn't feeling well, but, like, I covered it up. Uh, and then I I was standing... Also, everyone had told me the Conan audience are the nicest audience in the world. They're so up for it, so easy. But, you know, we we, we know, as comics that when you get told that, you're probably going to be there on the one night where they're not easy. (laughs) So, like, I was thinking, oh, too many people have said this is a really easy gig, and I was kind of worried that it won't be. And then I was watching from the side, and they weren't giving the warm-up man much, which was weird, because he's like, and he was doing such an amazing job, everyone said he's the best warm-up in the business, and they're not giving him much. I was like, well, that's weird. But then the producer said, don't worry, Conan's going to come on and do his monologue. They'll go for that. They'll love that. Conan went on and did his monologue, and they weren't giving him much. And then the (laughs) the producer turned to me and went. (laughs) <laughs> uh, I, was, I was a bit like "Why are you doing that you work here every day if you're doing that this is bad so i watched the whole thing and they're not really giving anyone much for jokes that were funny really funny jokes that were like why are they not laughing at this at some point it was me laughing on my own in the wings so i'd already kind of accepted my fate before i went on and uh I went on, and they were really tough. If you go and watch the clip on YouTube, it is, you know, if you want to see a man sticking to his guns for five minutes, then uh, (laughs) watch that. I am absolutely not blinking for a second and sticking to the plan, but only because I knew what I was walking into. So it was really hard, and, you know, I don't know if you find this, but in the moment, for gigs like that that you've built up in your mind and you're excited about, even when they're going badly at the time, you're still not upset on stage, you're just doing it. But then as soon as I come off stage, I was like, oh, my God. God, like that's, gonna, that's the, the, the most amount of people who've ever seen me on TV are gonna see that. And that was me getting hardly anything and looking like an idiot on American television. Now everyone's gonna see that and look like a twat. And then my, my agent was like, let's um, go to a steak restaurant and celebrate. I was like, <laughs> why, have you managed to talk them out of not airing that episode? Because I don't wanna <laughs> celebrate anything. And then we went to the steak restaurant and I shit myself. <laughs> Like literally, immediately shat my pants in a steakhouse. So it was half an hour after I'd literally walked off stage, went in an Uber to a steak restaurant. I went to the toilet and just shat my pants. But I've been on, because I've been on a TV thing. I had a change, a full change of clothes in my bag. So I went in this cubicle, sorted myself out, changed. So came out wearing a completely different outfit. And went over to my agent and said, we've got to go, I'll shat myself. <laughs> uh, uh, and he was like, this is one of the best steakhouses in LA. <laughs> I was like, fine. Because you know, he was he was leaving the next I was there for two weeks, but he was gonna leave the next day. And I knew he was really excited to be at the steakhouse, and he's a good guy. So I was like, okay, man, but I didn't I ordered a steak. Just, just to be polite. And then as soon as it comes, I like, I'm not eating that. I'm going to shit myself again. So like, <laughs> I, I just sat there, and I was really depressed. And uh, I was saying to him, oh, I just don't think this job makes me happy a lot of the time. And, like, <laughs> I'm not sure if this is a great... And he was there, this dad, going, man, it's fine. <laughs> five sides. You're a great comic. And, all, and I was like, dude, I just want to go home. And um, so then, like, the next morning, I woke up, and uh, I still had food poisoning. So i have been up all night, still just like going to and from the toilet. Still felt ill, but also I had the additional thing of now I couldn't hear out of one ear. Like, my hearing had gone, and it really, really hurt as well. It was like in agony. So I phoned my American agent up, because Chris had gone home, and I was like, uh, I had to hold the phone there. Uh, I was like, (laughs) I can't hear out of this ear, it really hurts. And they were like, right, we'll cancel your meetings today and just go to ER. And I went to ER and I wasn't prepared that everyone in ER who works there looks like the people on the TV show ER. <laughs> they're, they're beautiful, they're so attractive. And I was going in like, you know, I've had food poisoning for two days and I can't hear, I want And uh, this lady took me and she looked at my ears and like in England, like the doctors are rude. I find a lot of the time and not very welcoming. They, they kind of, when, I, when you walk in, they kind of go, oh, you haven't got anything, have you? And you're like, yeah, of course. Cool. <laughs> I absolutely have, that's why I'm here. But like, <laughs> there, they're like, hey, how's it going? They're really friendly. But also, they don't speak as professionally as the doctors. Just over here, they would give you a diagnosis as a proper, that's what you was meant to say. In LA, she looked at my ears and went, whew, your ears are hella waxy. That's <laughs> not like, great, no, really waxy ears on top of all this.
0: <laughs>
1: she went, "We're going to have to flush them out. So she gave me a robe, but she needed to put that robe on. I was like, my ears are in my face. (laughs) I don't think I need a robe. She was like, just at least take your shirt off. So I did, I put the robe on, and I had to lay on my side in the fetal position, which obviously when you've got food poisoning, you don't want to be laying on your side, like squashing all this together. Just go on, all the nerves. Also, the curtain was open, and all the really attractive people were walking by. So she was like just just so much water in my ears, salt water, and it was, like, pouring over my face and down my... I was just being waterboarded for the whole thing. <laughs> and then at the end, she starts laughing, really, really finding something funny, and she was like, your butt! <laughs> your butt is covered in water! And I looked, and it, it was just my ass, which was completely drenched. And so I was walking out with, like, a clean shirt on, and it was like, but it's this wet butt, and because... So I looked like I'd shat myself again, but because within a 24-hour window, I had shat myself. I don't know if you've ever shat yourself, but the shame doesn't leave your eyes for a while. (laughs) So I still looked in my face like a man who just shat himself (laughs) while physically looking like it as well, so like... And then I think I spent another two days in bed, and then I went out for the first time in two days, and I was like, you just gotta be out the flat. And I opened the door, and I took one step out into the street and four people walked past and went, Hey, Ron Weasley! <laughs> like... and you can't even come back to that, because when they hear I'm English, they have a field day that I am Ron Weasley. <laughs> so that was what Conan was like.
0: Yeah, good. I'm glad, I'm glad I asked. Yeah. I'm pleased I asked. It seems like this sort of thing happens to you quite... I mean, this is just... You know, as a comedian, this is just wonderful, isn't it, that all these things happen to you? Yeah, at the time,
1: just... I'm like, this is wonderful. Yeah. <laughs>
0: But like, your books, my I mean, like you say, to air is human, to air enough to fill a book isn't. Yeah. You know, like there's to have the A, to have this yeah. many stories and remember them as yeah. well, I think is. Quite also,
1: may I congratulate you on reading that correctly? I did Will Gompert's Radio 5 show the yeah. other day, and Will Gompert's went, We've got your book here, James A. Kester's classic Scrapes. To air is human, to air enough to fill a book. <laughs> and I was like, That's not the full thing, Will. <laughs> doesn't make sense. You may sound like an idiot on radio. <laughs> but, um,. Yeah, a lot of things. Basically, the reason why I, when I started doing stand-up, yeah. all I did was tell true stories because I thought, yeah, you know, these are all the stories I tell my friends and would be funny. Yeah. Uh, and so, like, I was like, well, I'm going to do them on. You know, I'm stand Everything has to be true, and that was a rule when I yeah. started as an open spot. It was like, it's all got to be true, and then no one believes you when you do it as stand-up. Because you know, now I think you know you're all like, it would be weird if he was lying in an interview in this kind of relaxed, n- informal, you know, so you all believe me, because, you know, it's... it's why would I lie? I mean, weird. But, like, and, and when you're telling your friends, when you're on Josh's radio show, it's weird to lie, and when it's in a book, but, like, doing stand-up, they instantly think, like, oh, he's going to embellish some stuff. Yeah, and yeah. so all the bits that were, like, the funny bits, they would be like, nah, didn't, you didn't do that. <laughs> and so it would always die and never work. And it yeah. was like... But Josh, who was an open spot with me, liked those stories. And yeah. so when he got the radio show, it was, like, just... You can put them all on here.
0: Why do you think it's so many things like? Because this must happen. This happens to you more than other people. Is, that, is Yeah, I think there's sort of open. You're open to new experiences. Certainly, in this book. I mean, the, yeah. that's part of it. Is you deliberately seeking things out?
1: Sometimes but it's yeah. It's not deliberately seeking out a bad situation, no, no. but it, it's saying yes to something that sounds like a. a uh, fascinating a different experience to what most people might like when my singing teacher asked me to join a, a band with her and the lineup was her on flute a didgeridoo player and me on congas <laughs> like i was like yeah of course i'll join that band immediately <laughs> because like you know you're you're in your 50s <laughs> i'm in my early 20s this will be great to be in a band with you playing the flute and so but you know i didn't think it would go badly <laughs> Yes. I thought it would be fine. I didn't think the didgeridoo player would be a conspiracy theorist to quit the band in, during the first practice. <laughs> <laughs> or tell the muscular teacher to go fuck herself. So, like, yeah, you know, it was... <laughs> So that kind of stuff, I was, I was just very open, especially like before I, I think you know, before I found what it was I wanted to do, you know, career wise or with my life, you know, I was just saying yes to everything and seeing what happened, and you know, everything was an adventure. Yeah, and I'm probably a bit more cautious now.
0: I think it's also probably because you're the way your brain works, a, a, you're very observant about things, I think, which is which mm. makes these stories much better, but also your pedantry, I think, within so, like. There was the guy who swallowed loads of hot chocolate and said, <laughs> I, was, I was breathing hot chocolate. Well, no,
1: he... Well, that was, that, was, uh, <laughs> yeah, that yeah. was... It was my first day Sneak. of work at Wicksteed Park, and he was. Char- I was going to be serving food and drinks, and his name was Chet, and He was a really nice man who was giving me a guided tour of the, the oak tree, which is where we worked. And he said, this is the uh, machine that does hot drinks. It's just uh, tea, coffee, hot chocolate. And sometimes you've got to change the bag of hot chocolate in the back. And one time, right, I opened a new bag of hot chocolate and the hot chocolate powder poofed up in my face. And late on that day, I did a sneeze and it tasted like hot chocolate. <laughs> I was like, I can't work here. <laughs> so if that's his best anecdote in years... Of- <laughs> but it was also the thing that it doesn't taste like hot chocolate. Yeah. It tastes like chocolate. It doesn't taste like hot chocolate. Hot chocolate's not a flavour. It's a temperature which a flavour can be served at. <laughs> Unless he's doing hot sneezes, in which case that should be the story.
0: <laughs> hmm. But that's... And I love you. You do, There's a story about you going to a, game, a board game night and then turn out to be doing role-play stuff and you end up playing yeah. in the World War... One, I think, game, but you notice that all the soldiers you're fighting against have uh, look like the characters in Dad's Army. Yeah, yeah. This guy who
1: hated me, by the way. I I was paired up (laughs) with a guy. We were playing a World War One game, uh, and like it was me and my friend turned up. We thought it was going to be. I was trying to do. Uh, have a new experience every night of the week I think again I was 18 I wanted to do something new every night of the week I found a Ketvin board games club and I went to it with a, a board game in my bag and then discovered it was like you know it was Warhammer and uh, Dungeons and Dragons it wasn't, there wasn't any boards it was all like you know like card games and Magic the Gathering and so we were put on this like yeah this world war uh, game and I decided to be the Germans which apparently makes you an actual traitor and everyone hated me <laughs> this guy that i was on a team with uh, wasn't too impressed and then uh, yeah i realized that all the english soldiers we were fighting against were all painted to look like the characters in dad's army and at one point i had to decide whether to shoot pike in the face or the chest <laughs> 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 and chose the face obviously <laughs> didn't want him getting up from it so
0: but i think remembering details like that that's what that's what's, i mean it's 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 honestly do uh, by his book and by my book as well and, and see which is best. Um, I should ask you I'll ask you, and this is my new emergency question because this happened to me this week. What is the most benign fairground or playground ride you've ever been on that has scared you? Because I went on a tiny child's roundabout and was terrified I was going to die. Oh, really? Yeah.
1: In, well, there was a fair that came to Kettering every year, probably still does, yeah. uh, and it had a ghost train on it. Right. And the ghost train, for a while, it was just that like, you got on the, the train and it, went, it, was, it was a horseshoe shape and that was it, but a very small one. Yeah. And there would just be like, uh, like little like, uh, rubber bats hanging from the ceiling and it was nothing, like nothing happened. <laughs> and because everyone was complaining it was shit. So they got a man in a skeleton outfit to literally, as soon as you went into the tunnel, he would jump out and jump on top of your carriage and just go, Aah! <laughs> Aah! in your face, <laughs> there. And it was me and my sister, just like this, as like, you know, primary school children. (laughs) And When he did it to my sister, I went, you leave her alone. And it was like, just carried on going. But then word got out that this man did this. And so, (laughs) fully grown adults were getting on and punching him. (laughs) Just smack him in the face. And then the third kind of act of this is that he, because he was anticipating the punches, he was then armed with a, uh, he had a, he had a, a metal tray. <laughs> and when they're trying to punch him, he just go. and then, oh! And that was the ride, <laughs> it was like the puncher skeleton. Like, see so if you get a hit. And... Didn't even quit, just was like, here's yeah, a dinner tray, you can defend yourself. All well, the people from Corby coming up to kick the shit out of him.
0: Good. good, that's a good answer to that question. Uh, uh, here's question 148, if you're playing along at home. Would you rather be immune from ever getting chlamydia or have free Kit Kats for life? The, you would get... You'd get 365 four-finger Kit Kats per year, or yeah. 366 on leap year, but you would still be able to get chlamydia.
1: 12. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I would rather... Not get chlamydia for yeah. the rest of my life. That would be good. But then that's me. But no, because then you're planning on having a life of <laughs> you shagging just wait, around. You can wear area. a condom, you won't, get a chlamydia, you won't
0: get chlamydia. Yeah, but. You know, that's. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Free Kit Kats as well. Think of
1: that. Free Kit Kats for nice. But then I don't. Kit Kats aren't my favourite <laughs> chocolate bar, which I is, think. you've deliberately done that. Because you know, no one's favourite <laughs> chocolate bar is a Kit Kat. But then you know, no one's cocky enough to think they're gonna just sleep with people forever. So <laughs> it's very. I I, pretty, I could give the kick out to my dad, who really my dad really loves uh, yeah. chocolate yeah. and uh, all, all things sweet. That'd be a nice gesture. But then I'd get nothing out of the whole thing. I'll, do you know what? I'll go for the chlamydia. <laughs> okay. I won't for get, get chlamydia forever. Great. Good. That's yeah. That's yours. But then aren't yeah. you gonna get? You're going to get arrogant about it and just go around going bareback all the time and get something way worse, aren't you? <laughs> I mean? It's like, oh, well, at least I won't get chlamydia. Like, yeah. Well, we all know what will happen. <laughs> well, you thought
0: it through, and that was a good There's a thorough answer. Um, mm. If you had to be in... Four, also, throughout that whole thing, yeah. I was
1: trying to think of a joke about fingering with Kit Kat fingers. I couldn't do it, but that. I want you to know I'll try my best. <laughs>
0: I can't find... The, I'll, I'll ask you, what, so what's the strangest thing you've ever found in the embers of a bonfire? <laughs> this is my this is my favourite question.
1: So just go rooting around in quite yeah. a lot?
0: Yeah.
1: Oh, I don't think I've ever found anything strange in there. I was in the Scouts and Cubs, obviously, which we've already just discussed, and we were yeah. doing many campfires in that. I've never yeah. been able to root around in a bonfire before.
0: Sometimes you find things there, you know, a little burnt... I found my yeah. first cat in the bonfire. It was burnt.
1: <laughs> was this... You already owned it.
0: No, there was, no, we, it was it was a stray cat, and this was the end of the story. A stray story. cat, and then it got into the bonfire on bonfire night. Yeah, and and then it got burnt on its sides. Yeah, and we, you know we we stuck by it. We we you felt kept responsible. It. We saved the cat. What was his name? Oscar.
1: Oscar, you didn't yeah. want to give it a like a name related to <laughs> the fire. The fire. Berno. Yeah, Bernie or Guy or <laughs> just Guy. Just call it Guy. <laughs>
0: Bernie.
1: I wish we thought of that. That would be good. Uh, if
0: you were forced to be in a human centipede with two other people and you were in the middle, but you could choose who the other two people were going to be, oh, great! who yeah. would you have in front of you and who would you
1: have behind you? Oh, very nice. <laughs> uh, in front of me, <laughs> I would... Oh, who's got a really good diet? Who I know. Actually, it's like, are we all just getting force-fed the same? I mean... Because I've seen the first person isn't getting to eat as clean as they always would.
0: (laughs) I think they they could chew. I think it's quite a benign human centipede maker. The first person has
1: a a menu. Yeah, yeah.
0: They can just have what
1: they like. (laughs) I think think he's just
0: let you go back into into your normal life. Yeah. He just wanted it. I mean, to ask you who you want at either end is so polite, isn't it? Yeah. Compared to the real human centipede guy.
1: Absolutely. Well, I think, okay, so the front, probably someone... You know, those people who like life gurus and stuff who like every every aspect of their life, they're really, you know, they yeah. meditate, they're very healthy. So, someone like, I'll probably Oprah, Oprah Winfrey. Yeah. Because <laughs> I think she takes care of herself and she wouldn't, yeah, she probably never had diarrhea. <laughs> or, which actually, is that what you, you might
0: prefer diarrhea in this yeah, situation. Yeah, actually, you might just
1: want to just slip down. Because otherwise, nicely, it's like it? you've got to chew it.
0: You don't want someone with very hard, solid, big stools.
1: Not Oprah. Nish Kumar. (laughs) Kumar. Diarrhea every day. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, behind me, oh, so many people who I like to shit in their mouths. (laughs) Real, real tough, real tough call. Um, uh, Oh, uh, Miss Hearn. Who was my teacher in year seven who took an instant dislike to me and made my <laughs> made my life hell for a year and is now a head teacher somewhere and' has not got to come up into the slightest <laughs> was shit in her mouth forever yeah <laughs> why did, Why do you think she didn 't like you she, just took, she apparently in her first year of teaching everyone worked, walked all over her, and so I was there for a second year and she decided she was going to make her mark and put her foot down, but what she did was she chose the one kid in the class who just wouldn't wouldn't fight back so the actual you know naughty kid who was called Barry Moore real name uh She let, just let him off the leash to do whatever he wanted. He was swinging on the back of his chair and smacking his... He, he used to smack a metal ruler off the edge of a wooden desk and just be tacking chunks out of it for the lesson, and she wouldn't say anything. And I would literally be sitting like this, and she'd go, James, you're slouching, stand up for the whole lesson. And I'd be standing up for the entire lesson because I was slouching in my seat. And she just really didn't like me. And she gave me detentions all the time. I've been a kid who, until then, had just got an immaculate, clean record. And afterwards as well, never got in trouble again. Yeah. Uh, and I just didn't know. You know when, like... As an adult, you get angrier about it because you, you, you're like, oh, as a kid, when I was 11, I didn't have the emotional uh, maturity to stand up for myself and say to an adult, what are you talking about? I, I, I'd, I'd, like, I'd just say to her, you're clearly just taking something out on me. This is ridiculous. I'm not going to come to this detention. Because you're a kid, so you just go, oh, yeah, I better just be told off all the time. Yeah. And then as an adult, you're like, I want to shit in her mouth.
0: LAUGHTER <laughs> <laughs> um, do you still have the video of you eating 20 chicken nuggets when you were drunk?
1: No, I deleted uh. that. I didn't delete it. I lost everything on my phone uh, once. But, like, yeah, um, it, at the Melbourne International Comedy Festival, Nish Kumar uh, went out and ate 20 chicken nuggets. This is why I'd like him in front of me in a human centipede. Um, he, <laughs> he, he ate 20 chicken nuggets, and everyone made fun of him for ages and called him uh, 20 nugs for ages. <laughs> and, um and then I got really drunk one night, and I misremembered what had happened to Nish, and thought that everyone thought it was cool that Nish had eaten the <laughs> 20 chicken nuggets. So I went and got the 20 chicken nuggets, and I ate them. Uh, and then I'd forgotten all about it until I found a video on my phone. It's me, and then Ivan uh, Gonzalez from Back to the Van, and John Kearns, and I was filming it and eating all these nu- nuggets, looking at the camera, and in between every word I'd say something like "fuck you, Nish." And <laughs> <laughs> another one, and then Kearns would like lean forward ever and, and go. Fuck you, Nish! <laughs> and it was like it was just this kind of like, and then it ended with a van really close going, "Hey, Nish, fuck you!" And it was like, yeah, that was the whole. And then, yeah, I, I kind of found it. I think while trying to show off to someone, I think I was like, yeah, if you want to show someone a picture of my nephews and there's this right. video, I was like, what's that? And then in front of them was like, oh, that's me eating twenty chicken nuggets. Or something. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> cursing Nish.
0: And um, all right, so like we've ne- we've got to go soon, unfortunately. But um, uh, what does that say there? Money? Oh yeah, that'd be <laughs> <laughs> just can't read my own writing. Um, have you seen any shows that you would recommend at the Edinburgh Fringe?
1: Yes, uh, Tom Neenan's show Attenborough is brilliant. Uh, if you like, if you like Tom Neenan, if you've seen Tom, Neenan, if you haven't, he uh, he's writes for a lot of radio and TV shows that you probably do like. He is a great joke writer, and also the show is like one story of uh, Richard Attenborough in his in his early days. Um, it's very silly, uh, very tightly written show. Uh, John Kearns was really good. I mean, I probably don't need to recommend Kearns to you guys, but if you haven't seen John Kearns, you should go and see him. His show is amazing. Uh, And Anne Edmonds, who's an Australian comedian, is doing... uh, She's so funny. I've seen all of her shows, and she's really, really good. Um, And Evelyn Mock is uh, doing her debut hour, and she's one of my favourites.
0: And are you completely sold out?
1: Uh, my, I'm doing uh, tonight, tomorrow and the next day I'm doing this extra fourth show right. thing at 11 o'clock at the Queen Dome and I believe there's still tickets left okay, for that cool. we'll yeah. come
0: and see that because it's a big room you're in to, to have sold out the whole run well done on thank you mate <laughs> <Fucking print>. <laughs> <laughs> there's still tickets to all my performances if you want to come and see Oh, freaking God's was No, it's doing okay. I'm, I'm uh, more than happy. Well, look, I think we're going to have to end it there. But uh, thank you so much for coming down. I really, massively appreciate it. that. Was brilliant, Good ladies coming. and gentlemen. It's James A. <laughs> thank you very much.
1: Thanks, man. Um, thank you.